Hi. Take a deep breath. In and out. Welcome to Tales from the Chocolate. I'm Ann Schwartz. I want to tell you about my best friend Joanna, starting this with remembering something Joanna once said to me, and it was, be gentle with yourself. She is one of the strongest, most amazing people I know, and she is doing the work. She didn't have time to talk to me tonight, and I am pulling this together in one night because I think it is that important that we need to be talking about this right now because she's too busy making it happen in Boston. She's too busy being overwhelmed and exhausted, and I just want her to know that I love her so and that she is one of the best people I know and that she should be gentle with herself because... We are all carrying this pretty heavily. If you don't know what this is, then you probably aren't listening to this episode. So I'm just going to go real quick and say um, 50, as I last read, people were shot and killed in a gay club in Orlando. Um, Young people, mostly. I'm going to get a little choked up talking about this. Um, By a crazy man with an automatic weapon. Um... I only own this tiny corner of the internet. It is mine. And if I am not using it to talk about things that are important, then I'm not doing it correctly. Um, I, I hate <laughs> the look for the helpers quote. I think we have reached a point now where we need to stop looking at the helpers, and we need to start looking at what is causing all of this. Um, But I am going to read you this very short part of the poem uh, that you have all heard before, I think, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so prepare yourself. Uh, It is by a Lutheran pastor. His name was Martin Niemöller. They first came for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the trade unions, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak up. I only own this tiny corner of the internet, and I only own my voice. So here is my voice and my tiny corner doing the best it can. Um, Today I'm going to talk to Megan Hayes-Golding, who I talked to in episode one, who wrote an amazing post, a letter to her students, which she put up on her blog and is linked to in the description of this post. And you should probably go read it. Um, It's good advice for anyone struggling with this, but more particularly for students. And then I'm going to talk to Maria Alshama, who is a social worker and also runs our youth programs at my local LGBT center, LGBTQ center. Um, She's going to give you some general advice about talking to kids about gender and sexuality in classrooms 
and also some more specific advice around talking to kids about this if you are, as Megan says, hashtag still in school. I'll talk a little bit more in between Megan and Maria, but that is my intro. Who are you and what pronouns do you prefer? I'm Megan Hayes-Golding. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Awesome. Um, Okay, so we've talked before, so people should know you. Um, You want to tell me about, well, I haven't talked, I guess I'll talk at the beginning before this. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I haven't done that part yet. Um, You wrote a post directed at teachers about how they could talk to their kids about what happened in Orlando or about resources um, they could use. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So this came about because midday yesterday I got a text from a student, um, and literally the quote was, how could someone do something like this? Uh, This is one of the students in the LGBT affinity group that we run at my school. And at the time, I was still grappling with my own response. I, I couldn't figure out what to say or, or how to say it. And, and I was just devouring the news. And here this kid's looking to me for words of wisdom or some support or some solace. Yeah. And I had no idea what to say. So we spent the next half hour or so... Um, texting back and forth. The student's currently out of the country studying abroad for the summer, and um, she felt so far away and unable to help. And, um, you know, I I spoke to her just like I would speak to a friend. Um, You know, even here in Atlanta, 500 miles from Orlando, I feel far away and and unable to do anything to help, and, and that that's a very normal response. So after talking through things with this kid, I, I was um, speaking with a colleague of mine, the one who actually founded the affinity group. And, and after we talked, I was letting her know just how much my heart hurt for these kids. Um, she suggested that maybe I should send an email to all the kids in our group because so far I had only been talking with this one kid. And she felt like the kids could use it. Um, we specifically talked about the need to address the intersectionalities. We've got a number of Latino kids in our affinity group. Um, and, and we knew that this attack was the first thing in their memories of a really significant, broad, and homophobic nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all kids who were born after Matthew Shepard. Um, you know, they, they have no idea, right? Um, you talked about the kid who didn't know what Stonewall was. Yeah, right? These are, these are kids who don't know their community's history. Um, which has served to help them stay happy. Um, you know, right? It, not knowing tragedy, that innocence is, is gone now for all these kids. And it's interesting. A few of the kids do fall on the gender spectrum and are highly aware of the, um, the violence towards especially trans women of color. Um, but for the most part, this is, this is the first huge event um that's happened in their lives so we spent the evening last night this colleague and i crafting this email crafting is makes it sound so cold and, no, and marketing no, related but it's important right we tried to figure out what what we needed to say um and 
we realized that there were a couple of bits of advice we wanted to give the kids um, that likely, like us, they were constantly refreshing their social media feeds. They likely were seeing a lot of hatred out there. Um, and so our first bit of advice was for these kids to scale back, if not completely stop their media consumption for a while. Um, that, you know, acknowledging that this is gut-wrenching news and probably best handled in very small doses um, and that that they should really select their media outlets. Uh, this one came from another colleague. The, the idea of selecting your media outlets is something that we teach the kids in a mm-hmm. classroom setting, right? Like yeah. evaluate your sources. And now here we are saying, you know, here are a few sources that I like to look at for news. Um, and, and then we went through a few other specific uh, bits of advice. I'll let folks read the post to see right. some of the other ones. But the final one we closed with was reach out to each other. Um, our affinity group is called United. And for the last couple of years, I've kind of joked about the name. Hey, it sounds like an airline. And <laughs> really, this reach out to your classmates, find some comfort in each other. This is a community. Start with the community you know at home um, and, and support each other. We closed, giving them a few of our phone numbers, mm-hmm. a little bit of a controversial move in the teaching world. Uh, but yeah. these kids are hurting right now, and we, we want them to feel um, like they have someone they can talk to. Um, I did also give the information for some of the, the um, counseling hotlines, the suicide prevention hotlines, like um, the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think where most of our kids are, probably all of our kids are, is just heartbreak that they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, yeah, I feel all of that. Uh, as you've been out of school for a while now, um, if there, there are still teachers, sorry guys, who have two more weeks, three more weeks of school left, probably not three, but maybe one or two, um, do you have advice going into, I mean, it's a day late, but I don't think it's a dollar short because this isn't magically going away. Do you have advice for teachers who are in a place like that? Sure. Uh, for the hashtag still in school folks. <laughs> um, you know, it is tough when it's a, a day, you know, a day has gone by, right? They've had a day of classes. Um, we like to joke that, that in the science department and math teachers can appreciate this too. You know, we, we kind of suck at dealing with feelings. Um, you know, if you want hugs, go over to the English department. And so, like, this is the kind of thing that when it comes up, when it happens in the world and, and I want to say something in my classes, I feel like it just always goes off very ham-fisted and, and awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, my advice would be if I was still in school, I'd be – in a small group setting, mention something or wait for mention of it from my students. If I heard a kid mention Orlando, I might pause and in a small setting talk with that kid. I I can't imagine a scenario where I would address it class-wide, especially a a day with a day of school in between. Um, But that's just me and my awkwardness around dealing with feelings. Um, I've I've had some good traction talking with kids, you know, at their table group kind of thing. Somebody, you overhear Orlando and you're like, you know, go over and, wow, this situation is really horrible. 
How are you feeling about it? Um, we want to watch those kids who we think might be especially vulnerable mm-hmm. in times like this. And I, I'm thinking in particular our queer kids who are Latino. Um, this is a direct attack on them, on mm-hmm. us as a community in general. But, um, you know, you look at that list of, of names and, yeah, you know, my wife was reading it off today and she says, wow, this is a lot of Latino names. And, you know, it is Central Florida, but this was Latino night at this club. And oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, our queer kids of color in particular need to he- feel listened to. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, has there been something you've read or something you've seen that has made you feel heard or better? I mean, I don't know how you feel better, but heard or, or touched you in a way that has been meaningful in the last day or two? The people who are very quick to um, call out the Islamophobia that we're seeing, you know, that's an angle we haven't discussed here. Right. Um, my friends and former students who are Muslim, um, I'm really feeling for them right now. They're, they're, their faith, their way of life, they are being very disparaged right now. Um, and so what's making me feel better is the sheer numbers of people in particular in the queer community, who are very quick to say, this is not, this is not radical Islam here. This is, you know, evil. This is hatred. Um, and uh, I've been comforted seeing people call out the Islamophobia they're seeing. Yeah, me too. I, I think we're doing a better job at single acts of mad men as opposed to group things mm-hmm. with with people of color, which is where we tend to decide that it must be an entire group. Right. Uh, this is one of those moments where I get on my soapbox about how the mitt boss doesn't do a good enough job talking about anything other than math. In our classrooms, um, which is something I always, I think we're getting better at, but I don't think we do enough of because so much more happens in our classrooms than what is just instruction. In my case, math, in your case, physics, right? So much more important things happen in our classrooms. I just want to say, and I guess I'm just going to say it now because you're here and it doesn't matter. But if you're a teacher who is uncomfortable talking about these things to your students, You need to make sure that you know some other teacher who is comfortable talking to students so that if you can't do it, you can provide the place for them to do it, I think. (laughs) That's a good statement. I just Um, worry. You know, my own awkwardness with all things non-content related in the classroom has made me gun-shy in the last couple of years. Um, And... For the teachers out there who are like, but I'm totally not equipped to have this conversation, I think go back to what I said earlier about you're good at connecting with kids in small groups. Do that then. You know, there 
I can't think of a teacher in the Mitt Boss who is horrible at connecting with kids. <laughs> right. So if you're good at connecting with kids, maybe it's the 30 faces looking at you when you try to awkwardly have an emotional conversation. That's a lot. Yeah. Don't have that conversation. Talk in small groups. Um, you know, maybe there's some uh, some visible symbol that you could wear or have in your classroom. You know, maybe a, a display of a rainbow flag that wasn't there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thinking of something that marks a change from the way the room usually looks. Yeah. Um, if you so, have you know, a, a safe space sign, maybe put it on the front of your board tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that prompts a conversation. Yeah. And if, if you get stuck in the position that I've been in, I'm sure Megan's been in, where you end up accidentally having this conversation in front of 30 kids, <laughs> because some kid said something, some language maybe might be, it was a tragedy. I would love to talk more about it after class if you want to stay and talk to me about it. Um, or it was a tragedy. I'm not sure I feel comfortable about it, but I know Mrs. or Mr. So-and-so is going to do something. Yeah. Um, use the language that use language that supports kids without putting you in a position that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. I think that's, I like that advice. Um, one thing that my school has done well is um, notifying the entire community in moments of tragedy. Mm. Um, and back in, in, um, in the fall, I think it was the fall, um, when Paris happened, uh, right, our entire parent and student body got an email from our president um, acknowledging the tragedy, providing resources, pointing students towards our counselors on campus. And I think a community-wide email can go a long way. Obviously, that's outside of the reach of, you know, Joe Average classroom teacher. But maybe Joe Average classroom teacher can help push for that from their administration. Yeah. And I think Joe Average classroom teacher, and I hadn't thought of this, and nor has anyone at my school done it, um, could send an email to the staff because yeah. most of us have access to a staff email. <laughs> yes, yes. Whether I chuckle because I've been places where we didn't. <laughs> but yes. And I chuckle because I've been places where it's been used fairly unwisely. But <laughs> maybe this would be a moment to say something. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else that you want to throw at the end of this? Is there anything you want to say to teachers or to kids? I don't know that kids listen to this, but it's there. Right. Well, you know, I'll, I'll close with what I said in my email. Um, hey, kids, you are loved, you're safe, and it's going to get better. You know, I wanted to acknowledge that the kids are hurting right now. Um, and it's so, so hard right now. I don't think I said it. And if I didn't, I want to be loud and clear about it. Thank you to Megan, who came and spoke to me with 20 minutes notice. 
because I was so impressed by what she was doing. Um, I'm going to read you this quote, this tweet uh, by at gay wonk Carlos Maza. And it says, trust me when I say even your bravest, most confident, most fine seeming LGBT loved one badly needs to hear you matter to me. Make sure that you are saying it to the people that matter to you. I want to read this tweet by at Jeremy Kress. Uh, If you can't wrap your head around a bar or a club as a sanctuary, you've probably never been afraid to hold someone's hand in public. Um, Megan's wife, Liz, wrote this. Um, The next time a celebrity comes out, And your reaction is, so why is this a big deal? Remember that somebody killed 50 people in one night because of hatred, fear, and ignorance. That's why it's a big deal. My very existence is controversial, and that's exhausting. There was a good article I read today called, I'm Gay and I'm Tired. I'll link to it in my post. Um, I'm going to let you listen to Maria now. Um, and I'll catch you at the end. Who are you and what pronouns do you prefer? My name is Maria Alshama and I use female pro- pronouns, so she, her, hers. And I'm a school social worker as well as a heavy-duty volunteer at the North County LGBTQ Resource Center. Yeah, talk about what you do there. So at the center, I am the director of Project Youth. I'm a board member and director of Project Youth. And at Project Youth, We do all things youth, so a lot of social programming, as well as um, I work with GSAs or Gay Straight Alliances um, around the county to help them form, build, and have great GSAs. I do trainings for schools and other personnel, other people in lots of different communities do LGBTQ competency trainings. Um, I saw you just did one for the military. Yes, we did one for, um, there's a naval hospital in North San Diego County. Now it's brand new and they have an LGBT group there. Cool. Yeah. That are trying to create a safer, more understanding community of physicians and nurses and all sorts of personnel at that hospital. So they're hoping to do a training for everybody there or most everybody there. So they kind of piloted our training to see um, if they thought it would work. And I think they liked it. That's very cool. Yeah, very. Um, Can you, so I just talked to my friend Megan, who's in Atlanta. I'm trying to get some sort of like voices from around the country. Can you talk about um, the center's (laughs) response and your response to what happened in Orlando last night, night before? Yeah. Yeah, well, the center's response was to to gather pretty quickly um, yesterday. So the same day as the tragedy, we felt it was really important to create a space that people could come to and feel safe and feel heard and feel comforted. So we opened the center. We're usually closed on Sundays, but we opened at 5 o'clock from 5 to 8 to just create that space for people And we also had a candlelight vigil at 7 p.m. And at the vigil, we had a couple of speakers um, and then an open forum for people to say what they would like to say. And we had some people there from representing different religious groups, including some 
people from the Muslim community, which was really, really cool. They really wanted to be there and show their support for the community and talk about that Islam is not about this and that they support us. So that was very cool. And we lit candles and we stood around and hugged one another and, and that was it. Yeah, that's, but that's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It felt good. It felt like the community really came together, um, just in support of each other, as well as the people in Orlando and people across the country who are hurting over this. What would you say that, because you've worked in schools as a school social worker and you do trainings, um, could you recommend language or talk about at all how teachers could talk to students who want to talk to them or teachers could talk to students who, maybe teachers who feel uncomfortable talking to students about stuff like this? Mm-hmm. In terms of the Orlando situation or just in general about LGBT stuff? I think both, if okay. that's Okay. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the Orlando stuff, I would just say, again, kind of an open forum. People have so many different feelings trying to steer away from the political side of stuff because that can just get heated and very nonproductive very quickly. Right. But just more around feelings of, of safety and and love and and illness and why some people do this and and what what's important for us to do on a daily basis to support people who are maybe on the margins of our society, who are considered different, who in some places are really discriminated against. Uh, I think those conversations are good because sometimes when you come from a place of a whole lot of privilege, where you're not in one of those marginalized communities, it's really easy to just go about your daily business and forget that there are people around you all the time who are marginalized and they need other people to speak up for them all the time. Um, in terms of just kind of daily, what educators can be doing is definitely use language is hugely important. So use the right language. If, if students want to be called by a certain gender pronoun, use that gender pronoun. If it switches tomorrow, use that one. If you use the wrong one accidentally, just apologize and move on. I'm sorry, I forgot you were going by they pronouns. I'll correct myself on that. Um, just be open. No using, don't use heteronormative language. So, so don't use language that assumes that everybody around you is heterosexual, not queer. Um, use language that's very open and accepting. For example, if you were going to ask a student, you know, if they were dating somebody, you wouldn't say, hey, are you dating a girl or a boy? Just, hey, is there anybody special in your life? That kind of language that doesn't assume heterosexuality is really super important and gives kids an idea that, hey, they kind of get that there might be a different way. Um, those things are very, very important. And then as teachers, just a constant education, like putting in information about the LGBT community in your regular lessons and even math, you know, we're, you know, we're doing, you know, some kind of equation that involves a family and, you know, what's going to happen with this family or that family. We'll sometimes throw in a family that's part of the LGBT community just to, again, have students who are part of that community see themselves in their everyday life and that they're worth something and they matter. To you, and you can say no to this, um, do you 
do your youth share stories of teachers doing particularly good or particularly bad things in classrooms? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I'd say we tend to hear about the bad right. more than we hear about the good. And those just tend to be denials of who they are. So teachers who refuse to call students, this is the biggest one I tend to hear. They refuse to call them by the gender pronoun they identify with or by the name that they're asking to be called. Those are the kind of the most regular things that I hear. Um, and, and that's really hard for students. It's really important for any of the educators to be aware of that and just go with it. And it's okay if tomorrow you want to be called Johnny and two days later you want to be called Joni again. Like, I'm probably not going to remember that. I'm terrible with memory. But as long as I'm just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, you're Joni today. That's fine. Like, it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. It's no sweat off of my back that your name might change in a couple of days. You're just figuring your life out because you're probably a teenager. And what teenager <laughs> isn't figuring their life out? All of them. And it's just okay. Yeah. And it's not – nobody needs to go calling parents about this kind of stuff. In fact, it's the law that you don't share that information. Children have rights yeah, to have Can you talk their, a little yeah. bit about that? Because my thought is, okay, so a child asked me to call them Sam. Mm -hmm. And I Sam is the most gender nonspecific name. So good job, Anne. <laughs> uh, a child asked me to call them Anne. Uh -huh. Here we go. Um, and use female pronouns. Uh, what questions, follow-up questions do I ask when they ask me that? Well, I would say it depends on the setting you're in. If you're in a full classroom public setting, I wouldn't ask any questions in that moment. I would just go with it. Okay, I'm happy to call you, Anne. Let me make a note of that in my book. And then I might ask them at a different time, hey, could I talk to you for a second after class or before class? Or just make sure to meet up with them in a time that's not at all public or calling them out. Mm -hmm. And just ask them, hey, just wondering what's going on with your name. You know, maybe what's your gender journey is a nice way to ask what's, what's going on there. I'm really interested in, in what's going on in your life right now and want to make sure that I'm supportive as I can be. And if there's anything you need help with, I'm here for you. Um, that kind of like non-invasive and non-threatening, but also supportive. I understand that something's going on that's important and I want to embrace that and support that is super helpful. And to let, let students know that you're not, that that's confidential information. So I also like to ask students, who else knows about this? Are your parents aware of this? Is anybody in your family? Are your friends here at school aware of this? to get an idea of that and then who do they want to be aware or not aware because again they have the rights to change their names at school and not inform their parents and not have anybody at school inform their parents which as you can imagine can be a huge safety issue for kids who have non-accepting parents who might throw them out of the house might do something that's really not good for the child at all so we don't ever want to divulge that information so just asking them about it in a non-threatening way yeah I think, who do you want to tell seems important, or do you want me to mm -hmm. tell anyone? Right. Because we don't want the kid to have to be responsible for outing themselves to every single person if they don't right. want to. Right. And just following their, following their lead on whatever they do want to do or whatever they don't want to do, and then knowing that that is probably going to change over time because they're still figuring it out. So as long as we can remember 
it's not like black and white. It's not like, okay, now you're a boy and everything changes and we just move on. That it's an evolution and, and some people feel very fluid in their gender. And that's okay. Just stop trying to check a box and know <laughs> that some people don't fit in any of the boxes our society has right now. And that's really okay. Yeah. Um, do you, so looking forward, so this is specifically North County cause that's where you are, but mm-hmm. everyone has not everyone, but most of us have a center somewhere within 30 minutes of us, mm-hmm. um, in bigger cities, probably a little less in smaller places, but, yep. um, what do you recommend for teachers looking for resources or teachers looking for places to go with questions or things like that? Just, just contact your local LGBTQ resource center um, and, and just ask, for example, where would I send a child who's questioning their gender identity or a child who's just come out? What resources do you have for them? Find that kind of stuff out so that it's at your fingertips. Find out if they offer any training for teachers and educators, if they offer any support for educators, um, any, anything that you can participate in and be on their webpage regularly and give that information to any students that you have. For example, if you're the leader of your school's GSA, give them that information to the students regularly so they know, um, and just be aware of what's going on in that community can be really, really helpful. Yeah. Good allyship. Yes. Very good allyship. Ally, being an ally means a whole lot more than just saying, hey, you're gay or you're trans and I'm okay with you and let's move on. Being a good ally really means sticking your neck out on the line. And when you hear, when you hear homophobic slurs, you call it out. You say something about it. You let your students know that this is a safe place that we're in and I'm going to keep it safe and I'm going to support you and I'm going to help you find resources. Because again, so many of these kids don't have a family that is supportive. So if you are a kid who's coming out as either gay or lesbian or trans or non-binary um, and you have a family that's rejected you and you maybe have a faith-based organization that's rejected you, for a child, kind of the last big part of your life is your school. So if you have a school that's also either rejecting you or not really accepting or helping you, that's three strikes against you. And that's why the suicide rate is high. And that's why there are so many homeless LGBT youth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put a little plug here. If you have, or if you're looking for something you can do to contribute, um, I know there's a fund for Orlando pride. I know there's a GoFundMe. It was called not pride. I just messed the name up prison. I know there's a fund for Orlando Prism, but you could also donate to your local LGBT center, mm-hmm. um, which I want to say both helps LGBTQIA kids, but also helps straight kids because having that education happening in schools and having teachers who are well-educated on it creates students who are well-educated on it and more right. accepting and more forward thinking, even if their families maybe aren't. Right. Absolutely. So I recommend finding your local center because I met Maria and now I know all sorts of new things. <laughs> um, is there anything? So I asked Megan this question, has there been any response to this? And I mean, you actually stood with people, so that probably helps too, that has 
uplifted you, that had made you feel a little bit better, that has given you some hope looking forward? I think just anytime you see a community come together in response, um, it's very hopeful and uplifting. You just see a whole group of people who on a Sunday had many other plans and didn't plan to come to a vigil and, and hold each other up. You just see people suddenly coming out from the woodworks and people arriving from all over the place and people you've never seen before. And then some people you see regularly. And that's just very hopeful. Like we're still standing strong, seeing people within the LGBT community, which I'm not within the LGBT community, but seeing those folks standing up and saying, this is not going to knock us down. We're going to stand proud. We are going to be visible and we're not going away right now. It's pride month in our nation. And there are so many pride events happening all over the country. And to see those just, we're just going to keep going on and nothing like this will stop us. That gives me hope. Nobody's going to hide. Nobody should be going back in the closet. We just need to be bigger and prouder and brighter than ever before. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, Did I miss anything that you really wanted to say to teachers of LGBT kids or to people who listen to this? (laughs) I just think don't be afraid. Sometimes when we're in the in the straight community, if you haven't been around this community a whole lot, it's really easy to be afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. But really, just by being open and educating yourself as much as you can, kids know that and they feel it. Put some kind of very visible sign up in your classroom, a rainbow flag, a safe space sticker. Talk about it. Point it out on the first day of class. Tell kids. I won't tolerate any kind of slurs in my class, whether it be racial slurs, LGBT slurs, any kind of slurs at all. Let kids know that from the get-go and just don't be afraid. And at least in California, this is really particular to certain states, the law is on your side as educators. So know, know the laws and, and fight, for your, fight for your kids, whether they're LGBT or not, obviously, but that's a particular group that really needs some extra care and attention, I would say. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you to Maria for taking time out of her evening on also about an hour's notice to talk to me. Um, my last few things I want to say is if you haven't watched Lin-Manuel Miranda's sonnet from the Tonys, you should It's worth your time. It's in one of the many links at the bottom of this post. Uh, David Klon wrote this. There will be attempts to pit two vulnerable communities, LGBT and Muslims, against each other. Resist them. Both Megan and Maria talk about this. It's important and you should do it. There is also a tweet uh, from Jill Filipovich. A reminder, if you are a woman in America, you are much more likely to be killed by a man who says I love, he loves you than by an Islamic terrorist. In this moment, let's make sure that we are talking about the right things. Representative Jim Himes uh, protested Congress's moment of silence, basically saying that silence is not enough. It's not going to do anything for people It's not enough anymore, and we have to stop being okay with silence after things like this. And so I am following Jim's advice, and again, I am using my voice. I hope that you will donate either to Pulse Orlando, 
um, or to your local LGBT center. Talk to your students. Talk to your children. Have the conversations about love and loving each other and guns and all of the conversations that we should be having. Please do that. I will see you next week.